Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. He's back this week. I'm glad to have you back with me, Dave. It's just, it's, it's just not the same when you're not here. We've, uh, you know, we are not like a lot of podcasts where we have regular guests. It's just me and you. And when you're gone, it just, it feels a little weird. It's like going to the Chinese buffet and there's no General Tso's chicken. I mean, I'm okay, there's a lot of other stuff and it's great, but you know, that's the thing. So <laughs> that's, yeah. You're speaking my language as uh, 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 somebody who eats um, the same thing over and over and over. If I go somewhere and they don't have, like when Subway discontinued the Subway Club. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was lost. Yeah, that used to be my favorite too. Or when mine was, did I tell you this? When Taco Bell nixed the seven layer burrito. Yes, we talked about this on a podcast, I think. Oh, I don't like when restaurants do that. They just, they, you get to, you get used to it and then they rip it out from under you and you don't know what to do with your life. So I am the seven layer burrito of this podcast. I I fully accept (laughs) that. Or the Subway Club, depending on who's listening. You could be the Subway Club. That's awesome. It sounds fun. (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a great sandwich, and they discontinued it. You can still kind of order it, but you have to be sneaky about it. Okay, okay. So, have I told you about our big sandwiches? This is preseason, so we can still do this. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna have to start getting serious next week. We are, but so Walmart like sells their French bread for a dollar a loaf. Still, it's their loss leader thing, right? And it's a big. I mean, it's like two feet long, and it's really, really good, actually. Two feet? That's yeah. the size of a small child. Yeah, no, it is the size of a small child. So here's what we do. We get like tomatoes, lettuce, honey mustard, all kinds of lunch meat, pepperoncini, jalapenos, pickles, like everything that you'd have at Subway, right? And we get this two foot long, you know, 99 cents French bread, cut it in half, load all that stuff on there. And we like, I mean, this sandwich takes up a platter and it's really good. And we make it better than Subway. So, I mean, we make our own Subway Club home. Roast beef, uh, turkey, and ham is usually what we do, actually. Yeah, that's the club. They took away the roast beef. So now I just have to have turkey and ham. It's just not quite the same. Yeah, roast beef is so expensive. You know what else is really expensive, though? Ham. Have you tried to buy mm-hmm. a ham lately? It used to be I mean, like ham would one. be 99 cents a pound or it would be cheap. Now it's like, here, you want a little ham about the size of, you know, your hand a little more? 20 bucks. Thank you. It's like, yeah. no, I don't like ham that much. I've thought so many times about not eating meat at all anymore, um, but then I just like it too much. So here we are. A lot of chicken. I mean, I can do marvelous things with chicken and like the split chicken breast where you have the, uh, well, actually you have split chicken breast, which is just a chicken breast with the rib bone still on it. Uh, or you have the leg quarters with the thigh and the drumstick like connected together, not cut apart. Usually 99 cents a pound. I'm like, dude, I mean, we can eat like two dinners out of four bucks of, of that, you know, so that's what I do a lot. And you can do marvelous things with chicken. Well, on that note, I don't know how to tie in the Blazers with a chicken 
But well, I mean that the new offense, <laughs> like uh, no! with head cut off or <laughs> defending, flightless defending, I don't know, maybe, who knows? We'll just say this. The Blazers are playing basketball again, and I, for one, one am excited about it. Um, I sat down to watch the game last night because the, the first preseason game I watched, but I had my kids, which interrupts it. I don't get to actually sit and watch it on a TV. It's kind of, you know, I'm watching it in the dark on silent on my phone while I'm trying to get them in bed. It's a whole thing. So last night was the first game that I've gotten to actually sit and watch on a TV. And I sat down and they started doing, you know, announcing the team. And Dave, I broke into tears. <laughs> started crying and I said I didn't know if we'd be I'm getting emotional right now talking about it I didn't know if we'd be here I mean CJ was maybe gonna get traded if we weren't sure if Dame was gonna be on the team at one point and so yeah you know maybe we aren't gonna win a championship although maybe we are maybe you know all these things are up in the air but we get to watch the Blazers play basketball again and I was so happy about that that I cried so the Blazers are back you were afraid we were going to get preseason game two lineup and instead we get to have preseason game one lineup so that's awesome right they didn't trade dame they didn't trade cj yet yeah i'm no oh no i made her face do a bad thing i'm sorry we're not going to trade dame or cj till the end of the till next summer at the soonest yeah at this point i think I, I can never decide if it's good or bad that we don't have video for this. Because oh, you should, oh, I, it's, it's this Dia face. Wow, because <laughs> normally Dia face is totally funny, excited. What? I, my snark made. Oh, okay. It's, I'm back I, and I, I made Dia feel bad. <laughs> I don't have a poker face. My face gives me away. If uh, no matter how I feel, you can tell by my face. So. I, I can try to hide it, but it's just, it's not, it's it not going to happen. Although it will happen. be interesting because Lillard and McCollum played only the first half of game one, of course, and none of game two. Right. And you got this new offense going on, although we didn't really see it in game two that much. But you got this new offense going on, which requires a little more penetration from the point guard, passing into Nurkic theoretically, although I think that's not going to last forever, frankly. And the real person that it, it demands change of long-term is Damian Lillard. So this will be an interesting subtext, whether Lillard trumps the offense or the offense trumps Lillard and he kind of steps back, which he has been prone to do. He almost always does, quote-unquote, the right thing and steps back. Whether that is the right thing ends up being a different story often. But the seamless integration if it happens, it's going to take some work and some time. And that's going to be a huge subtext, I think, at the beginning of the season. And I have no idea how it's going to turn out. Yeah, it's it's hard to know because of how little our starting lineup played the last two games. It's hard to really go into the actual season with any indication of what it's going to look like. I mean, you kind of feel that way coming off preseason anyway, because it's not a real game. It doesn't count. I mean, it is a real game, but it doesn't count. And so you can't fully, you just never know what they're working on or what they're trying that they're not actually going to use. So you can't base the whole thing off of preseason anyway, but we are just seeing so little from our starting lineup that it's hard to even have an idea of what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have any idea really, but we did get in game one, there was a fun, funny thing that happened. Quarter one, CJ kind of took over 
and he scored a bunch in that quarter, almost to the exclusion of other people, but he was kind of within the penumbra, within the shadow of the offense. He wasn't totally taking it alone. And Dame stepped back, and we got the ball to Nurk, for better or worse, and, you know, a bunch of that stuff happened. But then in quarter two, Dame was like, screw it. And she she started shooting threes. And I'm not saying he was defiant. I'm not saying, but I mean, this was Dame Lillard three-point basketball. And he hit five of five. So he scores 15 points in the quarter. Well, exactly. It's like, okay, so do you believe what's going on over here and like abracadabra? That's pretty cool. Or do you just have the guy walk on stage and go, boom, and drop the mic and then walk back off? Trying to make that work seamlessly will be interesting. It will be exponentially more interesting if they don't start winning right away. And their defense, now again, one preseason game, the second one almost didn't count. We'll see what happens in game three, which will be played by the time you hear this. But look, it doesn't look like they're going to get a real great run or feel for their defense in the preseason anyway. So they're going to hit the season as a work in progress. And it's not looking good. I mean, it's not looking, their defense is not looking great right now. And that's a little bit worrisome. See, I felt like their defense last night, which would, for those of you listening, we record this on Tuesday. So that would have been Monday night's game, the second game. I felt like their defense was better. Um, In fact, it kind of seemed like there was this weird switch that happened and they were struggling on offense and playing better defense, at least for a time. I keep saying this. I feel like I say this so many times, but I feel like we see flashes of good, flashes of greatness even, where, you know, there was one point where there was ball movement and there was defense and it was a very short point, but it was there and I saw it. And you see things like that and you think, okay, they're capable. It's there. It's just a matter of maintaining it and holding on to it for more than you know two minutes of a game so i I don't know it was i i felt like their defense was better in the game last night am i missing something here well your your flashing moments is apt but they've always had that i mean there have been moments when portland's defenses look good i mean when you got robert covington coming to help on the perimeter or you got yusuf nurkic crossing the lane to block a shot looks great but this is not the first time that is happened. I mean, in this preseason, this is kind of a continuation in those senses of what we've seen before. But if you look at their three-point coverage, they're not closing out. And when they do close out, it's not real effective. Nurkic is not terribly mobile. He's looking a little bit lost or a little bit whatever. Remember, we said it several times, he was the key to whatever defensive improvement Portland had down the stretch last year. And they need him to turn it on very early and keep it up all season long. So we can't have this checking in, checking out. You, you, you could see it's a huge contrast between Larry Nance Jr. and Yusuf Nurkic. And Larry Nance Jr. is doing everything all the time. And Nurkic is doing some of the things some of the time. And I hope that it rubs off. And I hope Nance Jr. rubs off on a lot of trailblazers because a lot of them do exactly what you say. We all do some of the things some of the times and it aligns to where they all work together every once in a while. Nance Jr. is like, no, all the things all the time, that's how you win. Let's do that. I mean, and I think that if they pick up that spirit, they'll be okay. They haven't got it yet. And even when they do have it, I'm still legitimately concerned about that three-point defense, about the perimeter. It, they're not getting out there. And that's a big, big 
no-no in today's NBA. Yeah, a bright spot in what you just said is Larry Nance Jr. You know, he, I've been excited about him since we picked him up. And I think, I think he's really going to pay off. I got to jump on another podcast this week and we were talking about this a little bit. And, and I said, you know, he's one of these guys that I think his stat line alone is not going to tell the whole story. He's going to be a difference maker outside of just the straight up stats. And I think what you just described is part of that. He is just constantly on. And I hope that that, like you said, I guess I'm kind of just echoing your sentiment here, but I hope that that is something that rubs off on the team. And that's something that, you know, maybe they will kind of pick up from him. I'm happy about him. I'm excited for him. I think he's going to be great. I, I, we've said that several times now, but I'm always going to grasp the things that there are to be excited about. And uh, he is he is definitely one of them. So, yeah, Larry Nance Jr., uh, obviously Lillard and McCollum. We knew that. Robert Covington, he's looking good. I mean, he's yep. looking the same as he always does. You've got to love that. So that's four-fifths of the starting lineup. And Nurkic, you know, work his way in. That's great. You've got to love the potential. I guess it's only three-fifths because Norman Powell's going to start. Norm... You know, we haven't seen Norm yet. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in. Top six, the Blazers should be really good. They're certainly really talented. And if they can mesh together, they should be all right. But it's a shift. It's a significant shift, what they're being asked to do. I think on defense, defending out on the perimeter a little bit more, as long as they can get back when the ball goes inside or get to the corners... They'll probably be okay with that. That'll be a little more natural way to play because let's face it, nobody but Hassan Whiteside was much good with the drop back game and Whiteside only good blocking shots. He wasn't really good defending that way. So defending more out at the perimeter may play more to their natural strengths. On offense, though, this shift is significant. And it's significant uh, in that it can be stopped in a lot more places now. It can be stopped by Nurkic not being able to score. It can be stopped by Nurkic being pre- pressured into bad passes. It can be stopped by the guards not wanting to penetrate. It can be stopped by forwards like Nance uh, who don't quite hit their threes as much, or even Covington who won't quite be possibly as open because teams are, are knowing that Lillard and McCollum aren't going to do that thing quite as often, so they start sagging inside. And it can be just stopped by what we've seen in the preseason, which is turnovers. And obviously, there's fractured lineups and a lot of stuff that is causing some of that. But don't think this problem is just going to go away because the season starts. The old offense that was basically isolation was designed to minimize turnovers. That's the benefit of isolation offense. If you have the ball in the hands of a competent player, you're not going to get any turnovers. Right. Now that ball is moving a lot more. It's touching a lot more players' hands, and not all the players are that good. That's going to increase the number of turnovers, period. Can the Blazers make that back on defense? And can the Blazers make that back on you know shooting percentage? That's kind of tough. They're going to need to up both of those things in order to make up for the for the new for the deficits that the new office offense is likely to cause. Which seems like a risky move because when you're a team that's you know top three in offense, and then not only are you changing up that offense, but you're changing up that offense to an offense that now requires that you play better defense just to essentially make it up. 
that's a risky move for a team like this. And, and a, a little bit, uh, it, that makes me a little nervous. I mean, I, it might pay off. It might end up being a great thing. My hope is that they'll leave room to shift if need be. If this isn't working, my hope is that we'll do something else and not just stick it out. You know, there are things in life that when they're a struggle and when they're hard and when they aren't going well, you stick them out and you push through them. You know, you figure out your way through. There are things in life like that. There are other things in life like basketball, where if something's not working, you don't have to keep doing it. You can figure out something else and switch it up. So I hope that they leave some room for that uh, in this case, because obviously offense was not our weakness and uh, we definitely don't want to get into a situation where our offense gets weaker because that is our strength. And especially if our defense is not getting significantly better, that's going to bring us down. The theory is you get higher percentage percentage shots going inside, right? Which is right. should be true, but is not automatically, and especially when you count efficiency, because the three pointer adds percentage, you know, in in mathematically, right? Hitting a three is one and a half points, uh, you know, or yeah, one and a half times the points, right? So you've really got to hit a higher, really higher percentage on your twos to make up even for that, right? But then also you're going to get fewer shots because the offense takes longer to set up and there's more turnovers. Now, these are on the margins. It's not like they're shot per- uh, attempts are going to go way down, but you're taking away your advantage that you've always had on the margins in the Stotts offense, and you've got to make that up first before then you see more. And by the way, how much more is there to be had? I mean, when you have the second or third best offense in the NBA, right? I mean, there's not a lot of more up. So yeah, you're basically trading in stuff you have a lot of to try to work it a slightly different way and then also make up on the stuff you had not much of. And this is what we meant a couple of podcasts ago, though, that you can't step on the same piece of river twice, that it's not automatic that that offense is going to produce at that level. It's not automatic that it's going to be seamless. A lot of things aren't automatic. So when you say all they have to do is get to an average defense and they should be great, uh uh-uh. They've got to do that and run this new offense and keep up the production and limit the turnovers. And, you know, there are a lot of ands in there. And all those or a significant number of them have got to go right. On that note, there were some things that did go right. Dennis Smith Jr. had himself a game. He is one of the players that is fighting for that last roster spot right now. He obviously going into the official season, they'll have to solidify the roster right now. There's more players than there are roster spots. So decisions will have to be made. And he looked like a man who was fighting for that spot last night. He had himself a game and he was fun to watch. Um, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but he played really well and was getting a lot of a lot of attention for it he played very point guardy which is something anthony simons is still trying to figure out now simon scored 24 team high it was great and he looks good and and the thing is that simons easily could could have scored 30 because he was one for nine from the three-point arc and his shots looked way better than one for nine i mean he could have easily gone four for nine put up a 33-point game and you're going wow but honestly that's his scoring And that's what he's best at. And he's really, really good. He's going to be really, really good there. Playmaking, again, 
you're in the Blazers zone with this. Does he look really good for Anthony Simons? Yes. He looks better than he did. Does he look like a real point guard who's going to be able to run this offense against real defenses in multiple situations? Not yet. And he's missing reads, missing plays. His teammates don't quite know how to play off him yet either. And he looks way, way better playing off ball as a scorer than he looks playing on ball as a playmaker. And by the way, we also have to check this one for nine thing because there's one way I could see that that three-point percentage plummets. Most of his three-pointers last year were assisted. If, he's has, if he has the ball in his hands, they're not, which means that, you know, if he's not as comfortable with the pull-up off the dribble as he was with kind of the catch-and-shoot or catch-and-take-a-dribble-and-shoot, this isn't going to work because you're going to bork his scoring trying to make him into a point guard, and then his strength is gone, and he's probably a mediocre playmaker this year anyway. So they have to be careful with him, that they don't bend him in directions that are going to kind of stunt his growth just because they need him to fill a spot that he may or may not be ready to fill. Yeah, he's not a natural point guard. It's interesting because um, I had a conversation about this yesterday uh, about Dame. And, you know, where he falls in in the league as far as point guards go. And, you know, Dame is an interesting one to me because I would argue that he's one of the best players in the league. It's a different argument to me if he's one of the best point guards. I would still argue that he's one of the best point guards. But he's also, you know, he's he Dame to me is not as much of a playmaker as some true point guards are dame is fantastic at what he does i am not at all diminishing that dame is fantastic at what he does and he fits well with this team and the way this team works but this goes back to what we were talking about about changing the offense is if if we steer away from what we're really good at and start trying to fit a mold of what they should or whatever you know is what's normal we're going to lose some of that efficiency because you have to look at who we're working with and what their strengths are and not just, well, this is how the game of basketball is played. You're the point guard. You need to do this. And I think with Dame, Dame is really good at what Dame does. But if you try to fit Dame into the mold of what a typical point guard maybe would do, you're going to end up in a different situation. I just don't, I don't know. I, this is, this is where to me, the lack of experience with coaching could be detrimental. Again, I will say, I'm hoping that this coach is going to be fantastic. I'm hoping that we're going to have a great season and we're going to come out the gate and it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, we're going to be having a parade at the end of the season. That's what I'm hoping for. But the fact of the matter is he's inexperienced and there's, there are things that you learn, I think, with experience as a coach that he just doesn't have. And reading his team and knowing their strengths and playing to those strengths rather than just running, this is the offense I want to run, we're going to run this offense. I don't know how that's going to go. To me, when you come into a team that's in the top three of uh, offensively, I'm if I'm a coach coming into that team, I'm not making a lot of offensive changes. I'm figuring out what we can do to make changes defensively, obviously, because that's lacking. But 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 when you got a good thing, don't mess too much with it. And that's what I'm a little bit nervous about. I assume Dame will be given his head. Dame will be allowed to, to run it as Dame does. And it will be the Billups offense 
piloted by Dame in the way, in other words, Billups kind of gets the fuselage and engine built, but Dame's the pilot. If that doesn't happen, that's an issue. I can't imagine anyone being so naive, let's put it that way, as to take the control of the team out of Dame's hand. But there are a couple of things that are will tend to happen naturally, because you can only go with what you know. And here's the pronouncement, and we'll see whether it comes true or not. But, you know, the red flag here is Dame cannot be Chauncey too, and the Blazers cannot run an early 2000s offense in 2020. It's just, it's not going to work, and especially not going to work quick enough. Now, that's not saying that that's what they're trying to do. It's not saying that's what they're going to do. But those are the red flags. Those are the guardrails. And if you start to see the team clipping those guardrails, either Lillard personally or the team's offense as a whole, we need to then start questioning, okay, whose hands are really on this wheel? And have we got, are we balanced on the road here? Uh, So that will be something to look for definitely as we go on. To that point, you know, I'm seeing quotes come out where Chauncey is saying that Dame looks to him like a early 90s player and he has these skills and whatnot. And then, you know, you have Norman Powell being compared to Chauncey Billups. And I just hope that they are all very aware that this is the 2021 Trailblazers and that they find their own identity and their own way of doing things that works for who this team is in this current league. I'm hopeful that this is going to be a good season. I'm hopeful that the changes that have been made are going to lead to wins. Uh, I'm, I'm real hopeful about that. But I think it's, you know, it's worth talking about the fears too in this case. And hopefully they, they prove us wrong. Well, I mean, and it's not just fears. It's like, it's what naturally happens when anyone is not as experienced at their job, I mean, it's or when anyone has succeeded somewhere. I mean, let's say, God forbid, Blazer's Edge went defunct or something. And then somebody was like, okay, hey, Dave, we've got this website with a staff of 20 people, and we don't really have a coach or a leader. We're going to, you know, pay you, you come in here, and you teach us how to run this thing. How am I going to teach them? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of Blazer's Edge mixed in there at first, no matter who they are, because right. that's what got me to the dance. And that's what you know. And that's what I know. And by the way, it's a damn good thing. I mean, I don't hear many people arguing that we haven't succeeded wildly at the same time. That doesn't mean that I can just go and assume that everybody else is going to be mini-me. And I'm going to have to go through that process of finding out the ways that they are, but the ways that they aren't, and also the flaws in my own system and assumptions. There's no way around that. There's no way that doesn't happen. The only question is, how big of an effect is it going to have, and how long is it going to take? One would assume that everybody's aware of this, but the problem with the Blazers is the timeline, as we talked about all summer, pretty short. So they're going to have to move through some of this natural growth period really quickly, or they're going to have to do things that are just more than human in order to avoid some of these pitfalls. There's definitely things to watch. I do want to go back to Ant because you brought him up. Anthony Simons, he had a great game. You know, he's fun to watch. I'm glad to see him kind of building his confidence. He seems more comfortable than he has before. I agree with what we've already said that I don't think he's a true point guard. Um, I think he's fighting to fill that role, which I give him so much respect for. And 
I am hopeful that he can fill that role. But I, I kind of wish we had someone else to fill that role so he could play, you know, a shooting guard and 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 get and do that because I think he does that well. And I think he would be better used there. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But he definitely had a good game last night. Also, CJ Ellaby was fun to watch last night. Now there were some, there were some not so good moments for him too, but he had a lot of really good moments and that gets me excited. You know, we saw that happen a little bit last year too. We saw him have a couple just really good games when they needed him. I, I like to see that. I like to see that. I'll honor that. (laughs) I was was getting the whole time I was saying that I'm like, Oh boy, Dave is, uh, Dave is going a different direction in his head right now. I can see it on his face. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's just actually point Dia. Let's just, we'll move on from that. There's not enough evidence on CJ Ellaby to really say anything definitively <laughs> different than that. Let's go with the positive. That's wonderful. Again, I think the player on the bubble here is Nasir Little. And oh, he had a rough Nasir. first game. I didn't think he played in the second game. I can't remember seeing him. So if he did play, I'm sorry, Nasir, uh, and I could look this up easily with a couple of clicks, but let's just go with it, podcast buddies. If he did play, it didn't matter, but I don't think he did. Nasir is the guy who needs to step up and step out. And by the way, to me, and, and this is an unfair call for me to make because I'm not there, but all the confidence being shown and the leash being given to Anthony Simons also needs to be given to Nasir, unless there's huge reasons behind the scenes to not. Because I think, A, he's just as valuable, potentially, because he plays in a very critical spot. And secondly, I mean, the guy has shown some ability defensively. He's shown the ability to score. I think that underneath there, underneath the growth curve, is a lot of solid potential. I would hope that the coaching staff would be as supportive and have as long of a leash with him as they have with Simons. So we will see. But maybe also I caveat, maybe I don't know why I'm talking about. Maybe there's something behind the scenes. Maybe there's something else that's going on I'm not aware of. I fully admit all things are all those things are possible. But look, give me more Nasir. Let him play out his difficulties. Show confidence in him because I think the Blazers need him, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I am a big fan of Nasir Little. I can't wait to see what he's going to do this season. I think he's going to be an asset for us. So I agree. And I also agree with what you're saying about um, him and Ant um, and giving him that same leeway. I I hope to see that with him. That said, Dennis Smith Jr., I'm okay with. I mean, if he he earns that. Now, Marquise Chris also. And this is like the tough thing is that technically the Blazers – could justify keeping both of them. I don't think Patrick Patterson, boy, his game too was rough, 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 rough. I mean, it was dog pound barking, rough, rough, rough. It was bad. So I don't think he's staying. I think Marquise Chris could provide a little bit of size at least. And he certainly knows what he's doing. But Dennis Smith Jr., I would not be sad having him on the bench, bringing him off either to play emergency point guard or if Simons doesn't work out enough to shift back shift back to two, Dennis Smith Jr. could probably handle it. So I'm, I'm good. He's, he's the guy I'm saying in my gut that they should keep with an asterisk for Chris. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you're right. Um, and I think he kind of put 
put down any doubters about that last night. You know, he showed what he can do. So, well, and, and we'll look, see. yeah, look, okay. Did, yeah, you felt that too. I mean, Larry Nance Jr. we mentioned, but Larry Nance Jr. was being Larry Nance Jr. I mean, he's not out to prove anything. He's just, you know, of all that mess that was on the floor in game two, who understood the opportunity, seized the opportunity, did not play beyond themselves, played their position to a T, at least on the offensive end, scored appropriately, made passes appropriately, and made you notice them. It was Dennis Smith Jr. And you know what? Yeah. That's what I want. I mean, it's yep. not just a talent. All of them have talent. And by the way, none of them are likely to make the difference between, you know, the second round of the playoffs and the third round of the playoffs. That's not how this works. But you know what? In a pinch, in an emergency, I want the guy who's going to step up to the moment. I want the guy who's not thinking about it or thinking about the moment, who's just going, I know how to play basketball. This is how I play basketball. You're not going to stop me from playing basketball. And every moment you put me on the court, I'm going to play this kind of basketball. All right. Yep. Yeah, you, you, you I, I pick you. So, yeah, yeah I, I would be all in favor of that. And I think, frankly, if anybody's earned the spot, he probably has. Absolutely. I agree. We should know here pretty soon because uh, they need to have that settled by the time the season officially begins. Next up, we have Root Sports. Now, full disclosure, as I've said a million times on this podcast, I live in Los Angeles, so I am technically out of market for the Portland Trailblazers. So how I watch the games is dramatically different. Dave, you're out of market too, aren't you? I am. I can see these things on League Pass. Right. So Dave and I uh, really are in no way, shape or form in the position to be talking about this situation. Um, but I know that the Root Sports has caused a lot of frustration and stress and trying to figure out how on earth to watch these games. Uh, it sounds complicated um, and frustrating. So I'm not going to try to explain it or make any sense of it. I know there's some stuff going on on Blazer's Edge. We're trying to ask, sort it out there. Ask under a Tim article or ask Tim in the comments. If you say his name three times, he will appear. Uh, yeah. And he is the absolute expert on all of these things. And he will be able to answer your question. But here's the thing. So you got Root Sports made the switch over. And not all the carriers carry root sports we had this with comcast too and there's a lot of noise about well twice the number of viewers yes twice the number of viewers uh on root as you had in you know nbc's northwest right however my understanding is a lot of that twice is up into washington and alaska not oregon or not just oregon so the number may be a little inflated Um, And if you're in Oregon, you may be still stuck or different people may be stuck with the same problem that NBC Sports Northwest always had, which is not all the cable companies and dish companies carry them. So what it ends up being is everybody putting pressure on everybody else. Root Sports wants you to put pressure on satellite and cable companies to pick them up. Satellite and cable companies are looking at the bills they're charging you are going, I don't know about the edge for this the blazers are rooting of course to be picked up by everybody so they're putting pressure on root sports to make a deal kind of and putting pressure on the satellite companies to make a deal also and what ends up happening is everybody ends up pointing at the other person and this is also true by the way of streaming services like fubo or whatever 
right? So, I mean, it's not just a cable company. So you got like a bunch of different entities. You got cable, you got satellite, you got streaming, you got the Blazers, and you've got Root Sports. And all of those, or at least three of them at a time, need to come to an agreement to make sure that you can see the game. And that's not always happening. Long story short, you don't have a lot of leverage other than to, I suppose, complain. And if enough people do, maybe there's some momentum, but it's pretty dicey. What it ends up being is it comes down to the numbers. It's like uh, actuary, you know, in insurance. Like no matter what you say, their law of averaging this and going, how many viewers am I going to get versus how much it costs and seeing whether it makes financial sense. And the people left out in the cold are generally the viewers. So that's the way I understand it. That's the way it usually works. I'm not an expert on it. I may have oversimplified it. I may be wrong. But you know what? This is a familiar story. And the balkanization of streaming, you know, it used to be easy. Blazers have some games on Channel 8 and some games on Channel 12. And whatever your equivalent was in Southern Oregon, you could see them on that. Right. It's not true anymore. So this is what happens when you have so many options. Some people don't get them. That's a whole other conversation. But you would think they'd want people watching. Like, let's make it as easy as possible. Not like having to do some complicated maneuver to get the game. I, for once, am grateful to be a Trailblazer fan living in Los Angeles. (laughs) For once in my life. But with that said, we've got some kind of cool news with the people covering the team for Root Sports. Neil Everett, who was previously on ESPN, which is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal to go from ESPN to covering a local sports team. He is uh, from the the Pacific Northwest, and so he is back home covering the team for Root Sports. Also, Craig Bernbach and Jamie Hudson. Jamie Hudson, if you are a Trailblazers fan, you are probably already familiar with her. She is back. She was with COIN, right? Well, Jamie was with NBC Sports Northwest at some point, and no, I think that's where she came from. Okay. Forgive me. I misquoted that. But anyway, Jamie's- Or maybe you um, didn't and I did, but yay, Jamie. Yeah, now I'm kind of curious. But she is, she's fantastic, and she will also be with them. So this is kind of exciting. It's, it's, It's always exciting to see. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. She was with, because that's when that, when they shifted, she was no, you're right. You're right. I don't know where that came from anyway so glad to have them back uh well jamie back and then uh neil and and craig joining the crew that'll be a good good coverage if you can find the games on root sports <laughs> it'll be fun to listen to them yeah I, kevin Calabro's back too yeah so and he and yeah, lamar and- have picked up they're not although you know what honestly lamar was a bit more talkative i thought and maybe it's just again two game sample with Jordan Kent. I like the Lamar that blossomed there. I hope he doesn't... Calabro is great. I hope Lamar doesn't swallow it a little bit because the superstar is back. Because Lamar Heard is something special as well. But, you know, Calabro is 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 good. Um, really good. Uh, so, that should be a powerful team. That's great. Neil Everett, I'm not as familiar with, but, you know, I, I was not a sports-centered dude. But... Uh, you know, by all accounts, that's a great get. Jamie Hudson and Craig Bernbach are priceless. They're wonderful. Jamie is incredible. I mean, she's really, really, really good. And she's not often mentioned yeah, because she gets overshadowed a bit by other people. I mean, she got overshadowed a bit by the bigger names at her own network. And then when you talk about, you know, 
the women of the trailblazers, which she shouldn't necessarily have to slot into. But you know, if you say name people who cover the trailblazers who are women, you're, go, you're going well. It's Amara Baptist, and it's you know everybody else. There are like three names ahead of her. So Jamie, I hope has a chance to shine because she is really, really good. And I just looked it up, and she is also on Coin News, so that's where that came from. I, it, that was bothering me. I needed to. So, I needed to know. <laughs> you're not that old yet. I mean, you're getting older, but the brain hasn't gone entirely. No, it's still it's still functioning a little bit. So that'll be that'll be good. Um, those of you who are going to watch on on coin uh, on coin, <laughs> there it goes. It went. It's gone. On Root Sports, you'll see some familiar faces there. Big story in not just Trailblazer world, but just the NBA world in general. Ben Simmons, I know we have talked this to death on this podcast. Please don't turn it off. Hear me out here. This is directly related to the Blazers. <laughs> we, it's not just speculation anymore, I promise. Um, I feel like we've talked about Ben Simmons longer than we've talked about almost anybody else outside the Blazers this offseason. But there was a report that came out. Basically, the 76ers were interested in trading Ben Simmons to Portland. The package that they wanted included CJ McCollum and I believe six picks. Three picks outright and three rights to swap. Okay. So I mean, this is, look, this is rumor-esque. This is, you know, it's not like unfounded, but we don't know 100% for sure that this was actually on the table. But let's pretend it's ballpark that that's what was being asked. Wasn't it a cre- wasn't it Shams? It was Shams, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it was in passing and from a source and it didn't feel like, it may be exactly right. I'm not denying that it isn't, but this didn't feel like bump, 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 here's the point and here's the offer and we have this in writing and la, la, la. It felt like, you know what I heard? I heard that this was that. Either way, it goes to the point that we have basically been making the whole time that uh, CJ wasn't going anywhere, that Neil was not going to let him go. Well, not for that. I mean, well, I, I mean, I, I feel like we've pretty much like we've talked about different scenarios and we've talked about what we would do or whatever. But I think we keep going back to at the end of the, all these conversations. But we'd be shocked if they did it. So, yeah, but this is a different order of thing. OK, look, if the Blazers don't trade CJ McCollum and a pick or two to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, they should have their heads examined. I think that's a no brainer deal. But that's about the limit. Literally, you'd be giving away and swapping picks long after both of their contracts were gone to get that deal done. That's certifiable. I mean, the Blazers would have to be locked up in order to make that kind of deal. Mortgage their entire future for Ben Simmons and and send CJ McCollum. It would it would be like, and especially if they ended up having to trade away Lillard, it would be like giving Philly their current roster, minus Simmons plus CJ, and then giving them the process all over again. It cannot be done. It was like trying to take a beach vacation on the moon. I mean, no matter how far you drive, that's just not possible. That's just, you. you it, it couldn't be done. So Daryl Morey had the cojones to really make that offer or demand. More power to him. 
But I don't know what planet he's living on because nobody is going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not arguing that they should have. I think that's too much to ask, really. I, I think that's way too much to ask. I had said that if, you know, if they would do it essentially straight across or close to that, then I thought it was something that should be considered. But I don't think... I don't think we ever really thought the 76ers were going to do that. And I don't really think we ever thought Neil Olshay was going to do that. So I think we've been talking about all this speculation without really thinking it was going to happen. And clearly we were right. So here we are on an interesting note on that. Um, ben Simmons showed up in Philadelphia, didn't tell anyone he was coming. No one knew he was coming. He just showed up, took his COVID test and reported to the team. So they're working out the details there. I think that's hilarious that he just he just hopped on a plane, went over there, and showed up, and nobody knew what was going on. I just, I mean, I'd show up for eight million dollars too. Got to tell you, I mean, uh, look, I, I, if we're being totally on, and this is not really Blazers related at this point, but since we're on it, I don't blame the guy. I mean, the news stations were ripping him apart, fans were ripping him apart. I wouldn't want to play in Philadelphia if I were him either, to be honest. So I hope that they can find a trade where he can go somewhere where he'll be appreciated. I think he's a fantastic basketball player. I think he's got a lot that he can offer, and I think he will be better off somewhere else. And I think the 76ers will be better off with someone that fits in with what they're doing and that wants to be there. Um, this is a mess. This is just an explosion waiting to happen. So I am hopeful for for both the franchise and for Ben Simmons that they can work something out. But in the meantime, you know, the guy showed up and and took his test and reported to the team. And I just find that hilarious that he did it without anyone knowing. You know, the trade talk is not this doesn't mean he's going to stay there. It just means he's going to play right. while he's being traded. Right. I mean, I, so. I think. I think he's still on his way out. I think at this point it's just a matter of time, but he's, you know, he's he's showing up and he's fulfilling his contract basically. Another point of news, you know, it's one of those things when stuff like this comes up, I cringe and I don't even want to bring it up on the podcast just because I like happy things and I like upbeat things and we have to deal with enough stuff, you know, when we have a loss, but also we want to try to be up to date with what's going on with the team as a whole. So we are bringing this up. One of our coaches on the coaching staff, Milt Palacio was just, I'm not sure if he's charged, there's a, indicted. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a big group of NBA player, ex NBA players mm -hmm. who have been, um, brought up on charges for fraud, basically. Essentially, the short version of it is they made it look like they were having healthcare services rendered that were not actually being rendered. So they defrauded the NBA from insurance money, theoretically. So yeah, they the Players Association. They, yeah, they defrauded the pension slash insurance slash right, whatever right, for the ex health players. Yeah, healthcare. Uh, healthcare. So. Right. So and and they would submit false false claims claims and get reimbursed for them when those procedures had not happened. Correct. When the report came out, 16 of the 18 that were named were currently in custody. We don't know at this point where Milt Palacio, Palacio is. is. Well, and in they that. they all would have bailed themselves out, I'm sure. It's not the incarceration yeah. that's at issue, and I'm sure they'll right, have attorneys and I'm sure that they'll either, you know, fight it or settle or whatever it is that happens legally. The point being, 
that and, and by the way, Darius Miles, Reuben Patterson, Sebastian Telfair, all ex Blazers, were indicted as well. So there's connection to Portland. It's a sad thing. Um, it is. them defrauding in essence their own peers, their yeah. own system. I mean, yes, it's a you know, it's a fund and it's a big, you know, whatever, but people pay into that fund and people have sacrificed to make sure that that fund happened. And I don't want to get on a high horse or something, but you know, the players in the union have fought hard to make sure that when people's playing days are done, they're taken care of. Right. This is kind of a little bit of a slap in the face to that kind of gaming yeah. the system to do that. So I don't, you know, I, morality and high horses and stuff aside, it's disappointing. And it it's, I'm not sure it's something entirely that an assistant coach then can walk in with credibility and say, hey, let's forget all that and just play basketball. Maybe technically he can still coach, but is there a morality issue to coaching that would, you know, that this kind of transcends or violates? It's maybe the wrong time to be asking that of the Portland Trailblazers. But yeah, I mean, we'll see what this what this means going forward. It's a tricky situation when you're essentially in a court case involving the NBA or the NBPA or whatever association that's directly associated with the job you currently have. I don't know if that's going to end up being a conflict of interest. I don't know if they'll even let them be at least while this is ongoing before everything's taken care of. Um, I'm not sure that they would be allowed to. So right now, at least we are shorthanded as far as that goes. Um, and I, I heard rumors of somebody else being hired, but I'm not sure what came of that. Did, did we have, I, I haven't heard anything, but I haven't been as attentive the last couple of days as I could have been. So okay. if there is, I'm so sure we'll, we'll talk about next week. Yeah, and I mean these are things if you're if you're reading Blazer's Edge, this stuff we try to cover this stuff as it happens and keep the site up to date. Um, so you you can kind of keep an eye on that and and you'll see as that as things develop. And I'm sure if it, if anything big happens, we'll talk about it. We should in say the too weeks. overplaying this would be a mistake. I don't find this in any way really connected to the Chauncey Billups issue. Those are no. two different things and two different kinds right. of vetting. And in one, you had previous knowledge that something had happened. It was ambiguous, but probably needed to be looked at. And the fact that it had happened at all probably need, made made you need to think twice, really, about it. Here, I don't find it very convincing that a team should have known or background checked would have turned this up. No. And how would anybody know? How would, until the no. indictment comes down, there's no right. way that you would, you can't get background checked on something you haven't been convicted of yet or right. something that people don't know you're doing yet. And by the way, right. this wasn't advertised anywhere. So, right. uh, this offense, I mean. So, uh, just let's, let's, let's be appropriate in how we acknowledge that this is not a good thing. And right. probably will affect Mr. Palacio's employability. But let's not also like have there's a campfire and there's a bonfire and now we melded both together and threw gasoline on it. That's that's not appropriate. There are still issues. Those fires are still lit, but they're not necessarily connected. Right. There there's I saw a lot on Twitter when this broke about how well it's just one more thing with the the coach, you know, and it, you can't expect them to to be aware of charges that don't exist yet right. so this is like dave said this isn't something that there was any way of being a you know 
to have known. Nobody knew. If they did, then it would have been a different story. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that means for the future for him with the team or with the NBA. I don't know what the consequences are. I feel like this is probably going to play out and we'll see it coming. You yeah, know. I doubt we'll ever mention it again, frankly. I mean, there'll be a, a conviction or not or a settlement or not. Um, it, I would say... No, I shouldn't say, but it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like this is going to snowball into a huge thing unless it's connected to more things. But we have no evidence of that yet. So I bet this just kind of it's settled and it blows over. And on that note, because I never want to end the podcast on a negative note, um, I always like to leave it on a good note. Something kind of cool happened that I thought was worth sharing during the first preseason game. You know, the players come in in the in the tunnel entrance and they're photographed, whatever they're wearing, you know, it's posted. It's a whole thing. And so on the first game, Dennis Smith Jr. walked in wearing a sweatshirt that's just black and in white letters, it says invest in women, pay women, hire women. Um, I posted it on Twitter. It got some attention as it should. It's a great message. And um, Kelsey trainer retweeted it and, and responded that um, this is her sweatshirt. It's her sweatshirt that it goes to benefit black girl hockey. She said, you know, that, that, and linked where you could buy the sweatshirt. And then this last game, Quinn Cook came in wearing the same sweatshirt. And again, I posted it and tagged the organization, tagged it, and she responded. And I thought this was so cool. And I thought it was worth sharing. She said, um, and I'm just going to read what she wrote. She said, Dennis Smith, let me know that CJ McCollum gifted them to the entire team last year after Cantor wore it into a game and Amara captured it. CJ tweeted that he wanted to buy 10. Since then, we've sent over $18,000 in proceeds to black girl hockey respect. She says, so just kind of a cool thing. You know, I, I always say I like good players. I like good people more. And I love when these guys take the opportunity to use their platforms. You know, they know that they're being photographed walking through that tunnel. They know that things are going to get posted on social media. And I love this just from the tweet that I posted alone, several people went and bought the sweatshirt and those proceeds went to benefit this. So it gets attention and it gets out there. And I love seeing these guys do that. And especially when it comes to supporting women or supporting minorities or supporting, you know, groups of people that don't always get that support. I really, really love to see that. And, you know, for me personally, in a world where it's typically a male dominated world, it's really nice to see the, the guys that everybody's paying so much money to watch play the sport have support for the women that, you know, that are covering it and, and that are involved in it. So um, just kind of a cool feel good story. I love that stuff. I love seeing these guys do good things with their platforms. Absolutely. And speaking of cool, feel good stories, not as cool and feel good as that, but the next time we talk, you and I will be one day away from the start of the season. And the yes. next time you hear this podcast, folks, the season will have begun with a game against the Sacramento Kings, which hopefully the Blazers will win by default. Although Sacramento, they can't get out of their own way. They trip over their own shoelaces all the time as a franchise. They're Gilligan, basically. But, you know, every once in a while, you see through all that, and they've got the core of a decent team in there. So the Blazers have to be careful. They're in the variable spot. They could be really good, and most people are going, ah, dangerous, dangerous Blazers. 
But the Blazers are in a dangerous spot themselves. The tightrope is pretty thin. And you absolutely don't want to look at teams like Sacramento and say, there but for the grace of God go we, because you know what? It's not for the grace of God. It's about seven or eight losses. There but for those seven or eight losses go you. So the Blazers, uh, let's hope they come out ready to play, coordinated, with some preseason momentum, by the way. I hope Coach Phillips ends up playing some players together, at least in the final game, to get them some run. And let's hope that that first game ends up being a victory. We'll see. Yeah, we will. It's coming up quick. So this is actually going to be our last podcast of the season. We are officially going to start our next season, season two of our podcast with our next episode. So I just want to end this by saying thank you to those of you who listen to this podcast. Thank you for your downloads. Thank you for subscribing. We don't say this a lot. You know, we don't end the podcast by saying, hey, subscribe, download, like, whatever. We don't really push that. I think we kind of figure you're going to download it and subscribe to it if you want to, whether we say to or not. Um, But I just want to say that uh, your support means so much to us. We continued this for the last year because of your support and and the fact that you listen and and we're just grateful. I'm grateful to be here. You know, when we started this podcast, I didn't know what it was going to look like or how long it would run or, you know, what, what we would do. And a year later, um, it's, it's been really fun and I'm really grateful that we get to start a whole nother season doing it again. I think even when we started talking about this, we kind of said like, we'll see how it goes through the season you know, maybe we'll take a break in the off season. We'll kind of, we just didn't really know. And here we are, uh, you know, 48 weeks, 48 straight weeks without a break uh, into this. And it's still fun. So thanks for, for being a part of this. And I, I'm excited for, for what the next year will hold. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a much more interesting season this year. Last year was more optimistic. And then that kind of got hung out to dry. Crashed and burned. Yeah. But this season is much more intriguing. And intriguing is not a bad thing to cover. In fact, there there will be more change in volatility this season than there has been at any time since 2015. So for the last six years or so, we have not seen a season like the one we're about to see. So I will enjoy uh, going through it with you. And we will hope that it goes well. Uh, For Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. Let's look forward to next year and go Blazers. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>